Podcast. My name is Andrew, and uh, we're talking about Message in a Bottle, a great episode. It's an alien artifact episode where we bring something back and it does something, except it's kind of not. It's kind of a Trojan horse episode where we bring something back and it's full of something else. And it's actually kind of a plague episode because we bring something back and it's a plague. It's basically a civilization ender. Ooh, <laughs> we screwed up. When <laughs> we're a type zero civilization, as Rick Sanchez would put it. <laughs> this is a goodie. It's a real goodie. It's uh, written by Brad Wright, directed by David Worry Smith, who does some very boring stuff, again, camera-wise. But, um, yeah, obviously I gave it one point, just as an obvious reference is obvious, because when the writers were writing this, they said, oh, what if we find a message in a bottle saying, help us? Cool, good idea. So that's the episode that we're, we're, we're watching here. That's the one they wrote. Cool. We're doing an EVA on a moon, kind of. It's like, but it's a different planet that's now got no atmosphere. It looks, for all intents and purposes, a lot like Earth's moon. But it's not. Um, but everyone's, like, suddenly all good with spacewalking? That takes training. Daniel Jackson's always saying he's busy, right? He's got lots of stuff to translate. You know, he never, like, learns how to shoot his guns properly. He doesn't learn a whole lot of stuff. He's always always needs to be babysat by, like, Carter when... <laughs> when they're going out to, like, ambush some patrols or something. Patrols of Jafar. When did Daniel Jackson learn this? Or for that matter, Teal. I mean, the Teal's got nothing else to do. Why isn't there, like, just, like, some people on secondment from NASA? I mean, actually, people are seconded to NASA from the Air Force. So why don't the Air Force get their people back from NASA, back to Colorado to do some spacewalking through the Stargate? <laughs> Am I overthinking this part? Anyway, I'm just saying it's a bit weird that they're all walking around in spacesuits right now when later on, of course, Teal makes a big deal out of going... Uh, one small step for Jafar. <laughs> he does an EVA, extravehicular activity, which means you go outside of your spaceship. It's one of the... Uh, the one before Small Victories, where the spaceship's crashing on Earth. Anyway. Booby? Booby traps? <laughs> Booby? <laughs> Gotta love Teal'c. He's really coming to grips with human speech. And American slangs in this season. It's so good. I got five points here, because it's Walter's voice saying SG-1 returning, yada, yada, yada. And Carter's like, well, add two more elements to the periodic table. Like, just ticking them off. Just, oh, bam, that's another one. I'm on fire. I love the Stargate shit. I got so many patents. <laughs> Seriously, though, she must be rich from all the patents of stuff that they're creating out of alien technology. I got 10 points here because of this sexual tension with Lieutenant Simmons. Ugh. <laughs> Gross. Why was there no sexual tension with O'Neill? He's about to die, for goodness sakes. Wouldn't that make more sense? Why did they bring in another guy completely who we've never heard of before, who's in love with her secretly, and is dying, when they already have O'Neill, who's an established main character, who's secretly in love with her and is dying also? <laughs> A little bit silly, and 
you know, we never see Lieutenant Simmons recover because the episode sort of ends when it all disappears, and we assume he does, but it'd be nice to give him the one-point red shirt death bonus there. Mm. Anyway, we've got another one point for the front guys walking around... The, the guys walking around the front gate. It's the stock footage. We're back at Cheyenne Mountain. So already we've got ten, five, and then one, and then one. 17 points, and it's only been a couple of minutes in the episode. Daniel's, like, working away, and next to him is this box labelled clinical anesthesia? What is that? Why is that there? It's so weird. This episode is just so goofy, sort of. <laughs> Daniel's like, yay, I made a discovery, which is information I can't use. And then Tim, uh, no, okay. O'Neill's like, good morning! <laughs> this is what they're like when they don't have some world-ending emergency. Just goofy, like, I'm going to a planet this morning, I want everybody on the top of their game. I see it. Ooh, I don't know, 1300. And then, of course, they all drop this goofiness once shit gets real. And shit's always getting real at the SGC. Kaboom! The box wakes up. It's action time. Out of the way, people! Can you imagine working at SGC? Every fucking afternoon, you'll be, or you can almost set your watch by it. Like, 3.30 and 3.15, you're like having your afternoon coffee. And then the alarm goes, Clear the gate room! Medical emergency! Some kind of explosion imminent! <laughs> Guards to the infirmary. You know, there's always something. Something's about to explode. Something needs, something's just gone hot and is releasing a virus and radiation and needs to be thrown through the gate willy-nilly. Can you imagine Sergeant, I don't know, Smith just sitting in his office reading the paper just like, ah, yep. Hmm, must be three o'clock again. <laughs> Out of the way, people! Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We've got another one point here for Chevron, Chevron 7 <laughs> locked, and they try to throw it away, but no. Jack O'Neill gets hit by the giant, big, floppy broomstick. It's supposed to be, like, the hardest substance known to man. Uh, but it really is just a big dowel that flops around whenever anyone touches it, or whenever he breathes, it just, like, flops. Which is kind of lets that down there. They could have made it out of steel. It didn't have to be a broomstick. <laughs> Shoot it! Sir, that's a bad idea. Your objection is noted, Captain. Lots of action. Stuff happening. Mm. Imperative stuff. And, of course, O'Neill is doing some fabulous hurt acting. I might start giving points for hurt acting. <laughs> the Academy Award for hurt acting. Goes to O'Neill. Um, did you notice in this episode... The music. I am pretty sure this is new music. Completely new. It's got the Stargate themes, you know, the various themes we're aware of already. It, they're in there, but it's bigger, it's grander, and it's action-y. <laughs> Just very good. Anyway, O'Neill's stuck. Better get comfortable, this is going to take a while. And that's basically also telling us, Act 1 is over, Act 2 begins. And we're talking about NID coming, and that's a threat that doesn't really materialize. Why, why even bring it up? I don't know. We've brought something back, and it's finally snapped us in the ass. That was funny from uh, General Hammond. I liked it. 
uh, and we initiate code red dash beta wildfire level four quarantine. <laughs> it was now in effect. Yeah, buddy, you're not the only one. Did I mention that I'm coming to you now on the Kriyu Ho podcast during New Zealand's level four lockdown quarantine <laughs> for the coronavirus? Now that I think of it, it's kind of like we brought an artifact back from an airless planet and it suddenly <laughs> exploded into life and is about to end our civilization. Level 4 quarantine, please. I got one point pushing as well on General Hammond there. And he locks up the mountain, gives the order, and it's the stock footage of the big door at the, at the top level of Cheyenne Mountain. And it just brought me back to the movie War Games. It's like, yay, the big blast door. <laughs> <laughs> we don't see that much. I got five points, because who's doing the welding on the giant uh, ore spikes? It's Sergeant Siler. He's here. Not the first appearance. It's, I think it's a uh, second appearance, actually. Sergeant Siler, five points. And then Daniel and Sam have this little briefing. We're going to have to bring in the entire team. Everybody has to work on this problem. <laughs> Why in the name of God is, no, is none of these people are brought in for any other problem ever? Have you ever noticed that every time SGC is about to have a universe-ending problem in their gate room, it's only ever SG-1 who's there to fix it? <laughs> I'm sure you've noticed that, because, you know, the Stargate... Uh, the TV show Stargate is about the team SG-1. Not SG-2. It's not called SG-everybody else. It's called SG-1. That's the only people we want to watch. <laughs> and there's this captain who's in, you know, he's saying, so it sounds like this is a weapon, and this captain who we've never seen before, never heard from before, so has suddenly has a lot of speaking lines and is very important in helping with the research and is very concerned with whether or not it's a weapon. And right here, what I thought was, we were going for a subplot of the NID uh, infiltrating this guy on the SGC staff to find weapons and secretly report on them. Maybe it's coming up in another episode where we find out he was a mole, a spy. But as far as this episode goes, he just fizzes out. He doesn't go anywhere. And there would have been... You know, there's a... This episode is pretty full. I don't know where they would have found time to insert that subplot. Maybe it got cut. Maybe, but that's where I thought he was going with that. <laughs> Anytime that someone mentions necrotizing fasciitis, a flesh-eating disease, I love it. It's alive! It's alive! I got one more point for the front gate stock footage guys walking around. And, yeah, everyone's given up. Hammond's like, oh, we're fucked. World is ending. <laughs> Guess what? I got one point here. Just wild card point. Tilt makes a joke. He's been, he's been having some time getting to know American, like, words and phrases and cliches, but now he makes a joke. Undomesticated equines. He doesn't say it because he's actually, like, meaning it. He's saying it because he knows that O'Neill knows that he would normally say it and mean it. And this time he doesn't mean it. He actually means wild horses. And he's making a joke about how he himself is always being too serious. I don't believe it. It's beautiful. It's really beautiful. <laughs> Domesticated equines. Um, we finally cut through that thing. 
the spike, and then suddenly it shoots up further into O'Neill. <laughs> it is beautifully hideous the way it does that. It makes me a little squeamish, and it, it seems to defy all the laws of physics, but it's really cool how it does that. Crafty little bugger. Um, sick and dying Simmons in the infirmary wants to have a little bit of chit-chat with Samantha Carter and say, I want to be on you. <laughs> but, um, there's no time for that, because the computer's being taken over, the elevators are failing, there's things happening, and it's going to spread across the face of the Earth, the day the Earth stood ripped apart by Orby virus. I got another point for the front gate stock footage guys. This is after dark and it's, you know, it's locked down stock footage guys, but still. Stock footage guys. Daniel sees patterns and stuff and decodes it because that's why he's around to decode stuff. <laughs> Push and swell point. One more. When we realize it's trying to communicate. Um, Colonel O'Neill, we gotta cut off your medication. <laughs> And I got a push and swell point there. There's actually four push and four pushes while the music swells. But we'll, you know, it's a quick flick between everybody's faces. But we'll just give it the one point. Um, they've killed him. There's no pulse. But then he comes back to life, and so I have to give it five points here for the old body switching slash body takeover slash he's not who we think he is criteria in this episode because Colonel O'Neill has now been subsumed by this virus. He is also here. O'Neill is also here. But we are also here. Five points for that. And it's talking he wishes to live. And when O'Neill's, you know, when the virus says O'Neill wishes to live, he looks at Daniel. And that's a one-point reference. Obvious reference is obvious there. Reference to the film where Daniel basically, you'll recall, it's, it's James Spader and Kurt Russell, basically talks him out of suicide. He, O'Neill came to the planet suicidal, didn't want to live, and when he finished the mission with Daniel Jackson, he did want to live. Nice. Really nice. Everything just shut down, says Gary Jones as Walter. But of course he says it over the PA, so the PA doesn't shut down, it's still amplifying his voice all over the base, absolutely fine. They dial the gate, we're going to evacuate it. One point there for Chevron 7 locked! Why don't I give it seven points for Chevron 7? I'm not sure, but I made the criteria a long time ago when I started this podcast, and I can't change it now. But there's some beautiful sound design when um, O'Neill walks the orb up the ramp, and we're doing a reverse shot onto the gate. So we're actually behind the event horizon of the gate, and he... It's glowing, and he just shoots the orb into the event horizon, and we just hear the sound of it being whisked away into the wormhole, the screeching of the... the It's all good. All real good stuff. And then, of course, I gave it the one point obvious reference is obvious to Galaxy Quest, I think, um, because the bomb always stops on one. Wild horses, Captain. What a great episode. Um, the directing... Yeah, good. Good stuff, mostly. Um, really enjoyable stuff. What else can I say? It was a good one. Wild Horses wouldn't stop me from watching this one. 
All right, I'm out of stuff to say, so thank you again for listening, and hit me up on the socials. I'm on Twitter now, creeyuhu, creeyuhu at gmail.com, I can't say this whole fast enough, I'm spinning it out. See you for the next episode, thank you.